you know that fresh produce is the best produce. That's why at Kroger, we invest in local farmers to bring you seasonal picks that taste fresh from the farm good, like sweet corn, refreshing watermelon, and juicy peaches. So whether you're a delivery lover, a picker-upper, or you shop in-store, your local produce always tastes 100% fresh, or you get a 100% refund guaranteed. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Write that, write that down, Fumi Saito. Hello from Burbank, California. That's right. Thank you for joining us. Yet another episode. Write that down on the Fight Game Media Network. My name is Justin Nipper. I edit for FightGameMedia.com, Staff Writer, WrestlingObserver.com. I also work for Pro Wrestling Noah, Cyberfight Inc. And we are back with the one and only pro wrestling historian and author and broadcast journalist and all-around wonderful man, Mr. Fumi Saito. That's right. This week, we're going to talk about the late, the great superstar Billy Graham. And we know that there's a lot of material out there covering his career. There's a lot of great stuff out there already since his recent passing. But what we did today is we focused on... Billy Graham's career in Japan. Uh, he was one of the first, I think he was the first WWF champion to head over to New Japan before Bob Backlund. Um, first wrestler to wear tie-dye. First wrestler to come to the ring with entrance music before the Freebirds. Pretty wild. And very different from what you often saw in Japan at the time. And we talked about how the fans reacted to that at the time, too. Billy Graham is a great example of what works in pro wrestling in the United States, even today. A lot of different topics that we'll hop into in just a moment. But first, if you have not already, please subscribe to the Fight Game Media Network, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Downcast, wherever you're listening to this podcast, hit subscribe. Smash the button, as the kids say. Smash it. It helps us out very much. And yeah, we're going to be back next week with a really cool episode as well. But for now, let's hop into Superstar Billy Graham in Japan. He's a very interesting one because Superstar Billy Graham is some 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 star, I mean, kind of superstar. You read it on magazine every month in Japan. Okay. And he, yeah, like uh, 71, 72, 73, you know, as, as a kid growing up, buying week in you know, a monthly, it wasn't even weekly pro wrestling yet. It was a monthly pro wrestling magazine and monthly gong, right? Mm-hmm. They're always on wrestling magazine on the color page, just this tie dye t shirt and uh, the, what the hat he has and uh, far and uh, the sunglasses, of course, and just the bodybuilder physique, which was really unique at the time very different the wrestlers back then you can go and look now just the body the physiques were more they're less sculpted they were more yeah, traditional wrestler. like wrestlers you know wrestlers yeah they look like, like your bodybuilder looking yes and uh, picture perfect but you know upper bodies and that's that was a big part of his personality back then that's kind of what you know could made him that sort of heel character, he would always hold it over people that he had the best body in the company, the best body in the world. <laughs> I was new at the time. That, was, yeah, that wasn't. Then we have to remember that, see, as as I grew up, 
that uh, reading these Japanese wrestling magazine and Superstar Billy Graham's always on the color page, right? It was before, or let alone the on the internet, but it was before videotapes, VHS tapes. Mm. Nobody had the, the the video, you know, you know, the VCR in seventies. So you just become Billy Graham fan just by looking at photos on in in, the, in that magazine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because ne- never really seen move, you know. But uh, it, it also taught. Um, I, I, I'll get to that. All right. So wrestling fans, at least reading oriented hardcore wrestling fans who reads magazine back to back to front to back, that kind of wrestling fan, all knew superstar Billy Graham in Japan. So always, always waiting. Who wants to have this new American superstar? They already had all kinds of American superstars, you know, coming into Japan like all year long, right? But uh, superstar Billy Graham didn't come to Japan until 1974. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, four years after his debut, magazine was out. You always saw, saw Billy Graham on the magazine. Okay, well, we can go back and because uh, uh, some some of his early early stuff because he was bodybuilder and also football player yeah mm-hmm. are you with me yeah yeah football player I mean like he was you know nfl houston oilers and oakland raiders but like what they call a practice squad mm-hmm. like you're not the main roster but like your preseason and the practice squad like a like you're almost like a secondary team reserve I think Brock Lesnar was on the Minnesota Vikings uh, practice. Yeah, club. yeah, the preseason, yeah, and got mm-hmm. cut though. You know, mm-hmm. almost made it. But a lot of the, lot of the, a lot of the wrestlers they don't like. You know, even Bruiser Brody and Stan Hansen, they were on these. You know, that the, your first squad preseason. You know, didn't really make the make. You know, make the season. Regular season. Then, then. Then the superstar Billy Graham moved to CFL, you know, Canadian Football League. Mm-hmm. Then uh, joined Calgary Stampeders and Montreal Olets, the Canadian League. That's how he met his very first mentor, Stu Hart. Can you imagine Billy, young Billy Graham being stretched by Stu Hart in dungeon? It's hard to imagine. It's a funny thought. Isn't it, though? Yeah, this is a, another football player. His name was Bob Lewick. That uh, he wanted to be wrestler. He didn't quite make it, but uh, he brought his friend um, Billy Graham later on. You know, his name still was Wayne Coleman, right? Mm-hmm. Real name. Um, actually, while they were with Canadian Football League, they already met Stu Hart. But after this Canadian football season. Billy Graham went home to Phoenix, Arizona once. That was it. Then he decided to really learn the rope, you know, wanted to become wrestler. So from this kind almost like, <laughs> like a, almost like a fairy tale tale kind of story that the, from Phoenix, Arizona, he drove four days up to Alberta, Canada, uh, Calgary. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? Yeah, from Phoenix, Arizona, he drove, not flying. He drove four days, uh, crossed the border, went up to Alberta, Calgary, then met, met, met Stuart again. 
then learned wrestling, how to be a wrestler. But back then, they don't debut you right away, right? Because you learned. And, and the, the fact that the Stuart really loved the fact that the, this guy can bench press 600 pounds. And uh, I think at the time that the bench press world record was like a 617 pounds. Mm-hmm. And people wit- actually witnessed Billy Graham bench press over 600. Wow. I mean, not not official record, but but, uh, but there's a photos of Billy Graham training with Arnold Schwarzenegger in, in original gold gym, and they were doing like a 585, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was really close. But can you imagine then 54-year-old Stu Hart stretching then 26-year-old Billy Graham? Bodybuilder Billy Graham. Yeah. But what's interesting is that he didn't debut until like he was 26, 27. Yeah, it's kind of a late start compared to some of the other stars from around then. Yeah, but most some of the most successful ones, like Hulk Hogan didn't debut until 25. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Yoshi, DDP... Yoshiro Takayama didn't start until 25. Yeah, DDP, 35, Diamond Dallas Page. Yeah, yeah, I, I think he was more like 30. Yeah, on, oh, okay. on DDP's case, yeah. So he really decided to become a professional wrestler when he was 26, then went home, then was still being bouncer, then ran into uh, Dr. Jerry Graham. Mm-hmm. 50 into six in early 60s superstar. You know, Jerry Graham was Vince McMahon's favorite wrestler mm-hmm. growing up. And they they crossed path, and he the, the Billy Graham, young Wayne Coleman told Jerry Graham that uh, I learned, you know, then I want to be a wrestler, and I learned from Stu Hurd. And it was Jerry Graham to, you know, asked him to become, okay, why don't you be my brother? Ah, legendary Graham brothers. See, Dr. Jerry Graham, Eddie Graham, and Crazy Luke Graham, wrestling brothers. They looked like brothers, but they were none of them were related. I mean, typical wrestling brothers. And this, right before retiring, this aged Jerry Graham wanted young Billy Graham to be his younger, youngest brother. And of course, Billy Graham was taken from this famous pope, right? Name, mm-hmm. yeah. And so for so he would forever be confused on on well now on the internet of course but uh, when you hear Billy Graham Reverend Billy Graham huh first that's for that's for they there is another famous uh, speaker late speaker Reverend Billy Graham who is also extreme probably much more popular in the United States than superstar yeah, Billy yeah, Graham yeah to the general public yes to the general public yes but in pro wrestling different story. And when you talk yeah. pro wrestling, you say Billy Graham, you think superstar. That's him, yeah. But oh, now just as famous, maybe. But uh, he, Billy Graham himself, admit that that uh, he would forever be confused by the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's okay. And also, that was around the time that the the, the movie Jesus Christ Superstar was huge. Mm-hmm. Kind of yeah. a musical, right? Musical movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was actually big here in, in, in Japan. Now, 1974, September to be exact, he finally made his first Japan tour. 1974. 
September 1974, IWE, now defunct IWE, International Wrestling Enterprise. You would think it would be like Antonio Inoki's New Japan or Giant Baba's Old Japan, huh? But uh, sure. actually, it was IWE, the International Wrestling Enterprise. And there was a nice twist that uh, I said September of 1974, right? Mm-hmm. Supposedly, now, now you know, going back, that the, I learned that it was the Phantom title change. Okay, I mean ah. that's like a wrestling term, Phantom. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, supposedly though, August August sixteenth of nineteen seventy four, Billy Graham beat then IWA World Champion Billy Robinson in Denver, Colorado. All the newspaper, and all not the newspaper, but the Tokyo sports, the, the other sports page, tabloid, the uh, monthly wrestling magazine, the Gang magazine, all simultaneously reported that that it was one same picture because it was fed. That mm-hmm. Billy Graham beat Billy Robinson in Denver, Colorado, to become new IWA World Champion. Then he was brought in as champion. And then, then later, I mean, much later on, like decades and decades later, it's, I just thought, well, that title change never took place. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Title mm-hmm. match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was one of those things. One of those things. It was so hard to ask Billy Robinson in person. You know he what I'm saying? He, he wouldn't that say anything about it. That title match never took place, did it? Well, he. It's like a, he, he always kind of avoids. That the, well, I'm I'm not gonna talk about showbiz part, like that. Mm-hmm. I see. That was Billy Robinson. Billy, I talk about Billy Robinson. Another one, one more minute. Billy Robinson always enjoyed talking, you know, talking about his only one-time single match, a legendary match against Antonio Inoki, sixty-minute Broadway, right? Mm-hmm. He, he he was always willing to talk about that match. But seven months later, he switched aside from New Japan to All Japan. Had a very first title match against Jan Baba, two out of three, four match, and he got beat by Jan Baba clean, two falls. See, Inoki couldn't beat Billy Robinson, right? But mm-hmm. Baba stole basically, signed Billy Robinson away from New Japan and Old Japan, Jan Baba signed Billy Robinson, and he'll be working in the next 10 years, you know, with Old Japan. But the very first tour, Billy Robinson's first tour was Old Japan Pro Wrestling. He got beat by Jan Baba Clean. But I, he wouldn't be talking about that match that much, you know what I'm saying? And I was always hesitant to talk. He was like, well, you couldn't, you know, the, the Inoki couldn't beat you, but the Baba beat you, right? I was always hesitant. But the, he it was like that. Anyhow, I really believe that the, this... Billy Graham, Billy Robinson title title switch was total phantom because there is no way in AWA territory that uh, Billy Graham and Billy Robinson would be having an IWA world title match to begin with mm-hmm. in Denver, Colorado, of all places. Anyhow, that the older wrestling magazine reported as the fact that the August sixteenth. Billy Graham beat then IWA champion Billy uh, Billy Robinson in Denver, Colorado, and new IWA world champion Billy, a superstar Billy Graham is coming to Japan. You know, finally. Mm-hmm. So he came as came in as a new IWA world champion and uh, kind of useless 
um, trivia, but Billy Rob, uh, maybe Superstar Billy Graham was the first wrestler whose entrance music in Japan. That is that's that, very rare, and he used the super uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, Jesus Christ Superstar movies soundtrack. Yes, yeah. very interesting. Yeah, because a lot of people think, you know, Inoki Bombay and Anthony Inoki and also Mil Masker, Sky High, were, were the very, you know, like a first wrestling entrance music, much like your Freebirds, who is fabulous Freebirds, right? Mm. But actually, it was IWE and superstar Billy Graham that used the music to come into the ring. Yeah, and Jesus Christ Superstar. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What was and the also, uh, crowd reaction to that? What was the crowd reaction to using music? Well, it has something to do with, you know, Old Japan, New Japan, IWE. IWE was, was on network channel too, but a very weak one, Tokyo you know, 12 channel. And, uh, you know, you, you are not Anthony Noki's New Japan Pro Wrestling. You're not Giant Baba's Old Japan Pro Wrestling. The IWE was always kind of like a third group, huh? The oldest, though, older than New Japan or Old Japan, that the uh, IWE goes back to, like 1967, 1966. But uh, it was always third group. Hmm. But IWE was very interesting company that that uh, it was a the first Japanese company that discovered Monster Roshimov that he was before you know before he was under the giant, right? Mm-hmm. And IWE was the company that discovered Billy Robinson, you know, the first store. And IWE was the com- the first company that brought Vern Gagne as AWA champion. It's, it's, up until then, it was all NWA, NWA, NWA in Japan, right? But uh, uh, the, so with the partnership of, you know, Isao Yoshiwara, the president of IWE and the AWA Vern Gagne's business partnership, that... Uh, Superstar Billy Graham's first tour was with IWE. Yeah, I see. I see. Yeah, and then, I, and then came in, and then he dropped the title to then superstar Mighty Inoue. Yeah, but I mean, it's not. It didn't hurt him, you know. That uh, had a, like a four or five title defense during the tour, and the very first, very last week of the tour, he finally dropped the title to Mighty Inoue. So he, he becomes. You know, new IWA champion locally, and uh, but uh, it was really interesting to have. Uh, you know, IWE was a kind of company that would let American wrestlers do their gimmick. You know, like the char- play character as you do in America. You know, Story. you would think, 
Yeah, because when when the big superstar from America come to New, New Japan and have a match against Antonio Inoki, you'll be automatic heel. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you have to work like a heel. But uh, some wrestlers are like total character or total baby facing. Whereas Jan Baba's old Japan pro wrestling, they would let funks be the funks or the male maskers to be male maskers, Harley race to be Harley race, you know, switch, you know, change that, you know, but the IWE was another company that would let wrestlers be as you see on the magazines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A little more and, wild. Yeah. And, and uh, just wrestlers had more the, the creative freedom in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another useless trivia during this very first trip uh, was IW, you know, the first tour was Japan, IWE, the September of 1974. They had very first bench press contest in that ring. They don't do that in Japan, do they? You know? At the Olympics, yeah. maybe that's it. Oh, like, but the, some of the wrestlers, I mean, some wrestling show that the, wherever Billy Graham went, they did the bench press contest. In the sure, ring. that was a part of his, his whole gimmick. Yeah, like in San Francisco, LA, they, they, he did that in AWA too. And the bench press opponent of Billy Graham was Animal Hamaguchi. Later Ooh. on, he becomes a superstar, right? Mm-hmm. And also father of Kyoko Hamaguchi, the Olympic you know, metal, metal wrestler. Animal Hamaguchi's daughter becomes, you know, really super world famous amateur wrestling, you know, superstar in the Olympics. But anyhow, Animal Hamaguchi later on becomes more famous as a tag team partner of, of Ricky Choshu in the early mm-hmm. 80s, remember? Yeah. yeah, Ishingun. But it was former bodybuilder Animal Hamaguchi doing a bench press contest with young Billy Graham. It was very interesting on TV. Big yeah. size difference between those two. Uh, you're probably saying that the animal hammocks being kind of short Just compared with uh, Billy Graham, I think so. Yeah, oh, man, the bicycle, of course, because Billy Graham at the time looked like Mr. Universe, Mr. Olympia, mm-hmm. yeah. like Arnold, yeah. but that, that's his whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then two years later, I'll jump two years, second trip to Japan was with New Japan, okay. Um, August of 1976, August of 1976, New Japan, because he was, uh, that was right after his first run with, heel run with, 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 with WWF. After his run with Madison Square Garden, the, the premiere into the roadshow in Baltimore, the Washington, D.C., the, you know, this Philadelphia, the Pittsburgh, that this, East Coast area was WWF territory at the time. After you finish the tour, usually those WWF superstars come to New Japan. You know, the partnership between Vince McMahon Sr. and Antonio Inoki. So we were able to see all the WWE Madison Square Garden superstar in New Japan ring at the time. Hmm. So it was August of 1976. Um, Another useless trivia, but only two months after Inoki's Muhammad Ali fight, Ah. Inoki, yeah, Inoki and Muhammad Ali just had fight in June of 1976, and some of that year, Billy Graham came to Japan. I see. And yeah, of course, that during that tour, 
Billy Graham and Anthony Noki single match happened, took place. In hindsight, we would, you know, we should have thought it was very special. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Anthony Noki against Superstar Billy Graham single match situation. Very, very much so. Yeah, but they didn't treat it, it, that match as special. It wasn't even NWF title match. It was another Inoki single match on television, and Inoki beat Billy Graham clean with his octopus. Hmm. But that, another hindsight, like very much like we learn now that uh, youth, a lot of things, a lot of people think, you know, Japanese wrestling fans are so advanced, right? Hmm. Very not a lot of knowledgeable and more reading oriented. Reading oriented is right, but uh, it was also that J- Japanese wrestling media and journalists almost brainwashed Japanese wrestling fans who are reading oriented that Billy Graham is not good wrestler or something. That uh, think about you know the kind of American superstars in Japan, like you from Luthes to Carl Gotch to Billy Robinson to the Funks or, or a little bit uh, in between like a Wilbur Snyder or Pat O'Connor or somebody like that. So all technical wrestlers, remember? Mm-hmm. And they did not almost allow this bodybuilder looking powerful guys um to shine like the way they they should you know of course billy graham wouldn't be working like your billy robinson or carl Gotch or somebody like that it's just i think japanese wrestling media always thought the good wrestler should be just stars and uh, the, the superstar billy graham with, with his costume and tie-dye and all these bodybuilding you know bodybuilder physique it just uh, not just another thing, and uh, wasn't treated as like something something all that special. Oh, of course, special though. But Billy Graham should be doing what Billy Graham should be doing. And if his bear hug was a finish, he should beat a lot of you know big guy with his bear hugs, right? Right. But so that uh, now I I understand that. The, that made Japanese wrestling fans' eyes almost like a very simple one-dimensional. There are other kinds of superstars out there that if you watch, if you watch Billy Graham on American videotapes, that's how he is. And, uh, you know, like a strut, you know, just stalling and stalling and just talking and walking. And uh, he wouldn't even lock up first few minutes, right? walking around, around the ring and posing and just, you know, just American kind of heat. And it wasn't the the right fit for Japanese wrestling or something. And he didn't really click with Japanese fans at the time. Now that the, today's audience will love him, probably a lot better. Does that make sense? And I think it, they would have a better understanding of what he was aiming for. Yeah, that's like just like first five six tour of Ric Flair's people didn't get it you know mm-hmm. now after you understand all these Ric Flair's repertoire and the selling and the begging and the front face first bump and all these things that's his signature move then you understand but it was like almost like this Japanese fans in you know mid seventies into early eighties. You had this certain filter. If it doesn't you know 
the wrestlers don't fit into this certain filter, you're not even a good wrestler. Right. What a waste. Yeah. Yeah. Either your technical wrestler like a Carl Gachi Luthes, that uh, Wilbur Schneider, Pat O'Connor, Billy Robinson style, or the super heel like Abdullah the Butcher or Tiger Jeet Singh, a little bit later on Stan Hansen. You know what I'm saying? Psychopath. Bruiser Brody. Brawling. Yeah. Brawling, yeah. punching, stabbing. Yeah, so there was no place where Billy Graham, superstar Billy Graham, will fit as a super, super, superstar in that, you know, environment. Do you think that if Billy Graham, uh, when he came over in the mid-70s, that version of Billy Graham, do you think it would have done better if he went about 10 years later, maybe 15 years later? You know what I mean? Would he have connected a different way? Same physique. He did. I'll I'll get to that. Yeah. And and I just talked about his second tour to Japan. It was August, summer of 1976. He did come back to Japan two years later. February of 1978, again, New Japan Pro Wrestling as WWF champion this time. Mm-hmm. One tour he had as a champion. But Inoki didn't even challenge WWF title. It was Seiji Sakaguchi challenging superstar Billy Graham. It was a double main event, double main event situation at Nippon Budokan. Big show, right? Big, mm-hmm. big show. The main event was Antonio Inoki against Umanosuke Ueda and five inch nail death match. You know, the, the, later on, he becomes really, really famous with FMW and I, you know, IWA Japan and the wing and all that death match situation. You know, like five inch nail sticking out, out of the board, mm-hmm. uh, filled right outside the ring that uh, you, if you get dropped, you're dead, right? Mm-hmm. And Inoki against Umanosuke Ueda, the big Japanese hero, did that, that match that night as a main event. And the double main event, the first one was WWF title match, champion superstar Billy Graham. The challenger was Seiji Sakaguchi instead of Inoki. And uh, he didn't even win clean. It was count-out finish that, uh, yes, uh, superstar Billy Graham beat Sakaguchi, but it was a count-out finish that, uh, of course, he retained the title, but it wasn't even a big win. You know, that tells you how he was treated in Japan. He looks good, but this guy is not a good wrestler. He's also always had a stamp on him. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, w- it was a waste because if he was in this environment, today's environment, he comes in and does what Superstar Billy Graham does, he would be over huge. Yeah. But what was interesting was that, that uh, this was February 8th. 1978, uh, superstar Billy Graham had one tour as a champion and came over here and had a title defense against Seiji Sakaguchi. He went home to America only 12 days later, not even two weeks, 12, 12 days later, he got beaten by Bob Backlund and dropped the title at the Madison Square Garden. Isn't that interesting? It's interesting to learn what was going on at the time when he was champion over here. And for the most part, Americans so, didn't yeah, know he what he had, was doing. He beat Bruno San Martino the April of 1977. And uh, at the time, from from Bruno San Martino to Pedro Morales to all these and second reign of Bruno San Martino, that the WWF and Madison Square Garden always had long, you know, real long reign babyface champion, right? Mm-hmm. And 
Superstar Billy Graham was the only heel champion that lasted that long, 10 months period, until Bob Backlund. Yeah. And uh, so he had this quick trip to Japan and had a title defense against Seiji Sakaguchi. He went home and just not even two weeks, 12 days later, February 20th at the Madison Square Garden, Bob Backlund beat, beat Superstar Billy Graham to become WWF champion. Then Bob Backlund will have, will have what, the six, seven-year reign altogether? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But it was very interesting that uh, we were able to witness Superstar Billy Graham uh, one more time, you know, as, as, a, as a WWF champion before Bob Backlund making regular trip to Japan. Mm-hmm. That very same year, that uh, June of '78, Bob Backlund comes into New Japan and start having a, this long program against uh, Antonio Inoki. In between '78 to '81, Inoki and Bob Backlund had about eight, nine important single title match in Tokyo, in Osaka, in, o- in Tokushima, and even in Miami and Mexico City, and all over the place. That. Inoki would have prog- program with Bob Backlund, but he didn't choose. I mean, didn't really, you know, have this program against Billy Graham. Interesting, huh? Mm-hmm. Again, Bob Backlund is very fit. I mean, good fit to Japanese good wrestling de- definition of a good wrestler, huh? Technical wrestler, absolutely. Clean. You know, I, watching the matches back now, you see how perfect he was for Japan. He really was yeah, that yeah, type of wrestler. Yeah. But that would make Japanese wrestling so one-dimensional almost, huh? In ways, you yes. You should have, right? In a way, in a way. Because I, I think both, it happens on both sides. It happens on both sides. Yeah? Yeah, I think that when you, there, there are tendencies on the American side to become a little too one-dimensional in the direction of Billy Graham. You know, a little too much mm, entertainment. In a way, yeah, yeah. So it, it's it depends on the philosophy of the promotion, or what the fans want at the time. So I, it, it, I think it's just the landscape here and in, in Japan. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, but today's fans enjoy more variety, though. I think so too. Yeah, it's something that yeah. changes every day, really. Now this is a more information society. We talk about days with. Um, I mean, decades before the internet, decades before YouTube or any streaming service thing, or let alone VHS, <laughs> you know, videotapes. Yeah. It completely but, changes uh, how we would think of somebody like Billy Graham if he was around in the internet age, how fast the, the information travels. It would and be you different. all have all kinds of copy, you know, like a carbon copy, Billy Graham, tights and a hairdo and a physique and all this. And then oh we would have to talk yeah. about young, young Hulk Hogan and young Jesse Ventura. You know, we'll, we'll rewind the tape a little bit that when, when Billy Graham was regular with AWA up north in Minnesota, that he was a, Big superstar, superstar Billy Graham, and young Jesse Ventura, not even a wrestler yet. Young Jesse Ventura used to walk around Minneapolis Auditorium wearing tie dye t shirt and telling people he was a younger brother of Billy Graham. <laughs> Funny, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And also, when superstar Billy Graham was regular with NWA Florida, 
in th- third row every Wednesday in the night at the armory that young Hulk Hogan, not even the wrestler, Terry Blair, he was sitting in the exact same spot every Wednesday night from third row. Young Hulk Hogan wanted to be just like Billy Graham. Yeah. So it's safe to say there will be no Hulk Hogan, there will be no Jesse Venture if it wasn't, if it wasn't for Superstar Billy Graham. It's almost like a, it's like a modern day tale, huh? I mean, it's he's, a legend. Yeah, he's a legend, and wrestling, would, especially in the states, would be very, very different without him. I think he's one of the first, one of the early wrestlers to bring rock and roll culture into pro wrestling. Especially yeah, not with, just Tai Dai, but uh, this Jorgen, right? Yeah, the way he talks, uh, the real deal, Man of Steel, super heel with sex appeal. Yeah, stuff like that. <laughs> and, <laughs> no, I, uh, it's like he, days of your Woodstock Ud, and the Crosby, Stills, and Nash and Young, that the Cleveland Clearwater revival, Deadhead, that Grateful Dead, that uh, all those music is just the same era. Rock and roll hippie culture. Yeah. He brought that in. It's yeah, kind of like how CM. It's like how CM Punk brought in uh, straight edge hardcore culture into the mainstream WWE. When he came in, it's oh, a, decades, decades later. Yeah, it's yeah. the same idea. Ta- but, taking a piece of culture and adding it to the mix. But it went with it, though. It's yeah, absolutely. Important in, in wrestling culture, it's not just adapting but how big Superstar Billy Graham was. Yeah, yeah. But about about his trip to Japan, he had. Two more trips to Japan after that. 1979, he came back to IWE and had a cage match against Russia Kimura. Oh, the big star <laughs> yeah. of yeah, IWE. Cage match at the time, yes. Yeah, after after IWE, it went down. Russia Kimura and Animal Hamaguchi and Isam Teranishi signed with New Japan and became big heel group against Inoki's uh, babyface group, right? Mm-hmm. So Inoki and Russia Kimura had this strong three-year run uh, program. But the, at the time, IWE, summer of 1979, Russia Kimura was the IWA champion and star of the company and and. Th- Superstar Billy Graham came back to IWE and had this cage match, and which was kind of interesting. Cage match was IWE thing, you know, the only company that has regular cage match in Japan. All Japan never had cage match. Inoki's New Japan never, never had cage match. So it was their gimmick. So when you have cage match, you have blood. Oh yes. And also, it was interesting. It was the first time they introduced the Texas deathmatch rule that uh, you pin the guy one, two, three in the ring, in the middle of the ring, right? Mm-hmm. Then the referees start counting count of 10. If you get up before the count of 10, the match continues. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I mean, you keep, they, you keep they, going they, until... Yeah, you keep going until that full you, 10 count. You, somebody passes out in a bloodbath. Of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we uh, that was on TV even. I mean, today's television would not show that bloodbath cage match on TV, I don't think, regular TV. But it was summer of 1979, and that was, I was like 12th grade. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, I watched that. Uh, Russia Kimura against Superstar Billy Graham summer, the cage match on TV. And that after that, uh, three years later, he had his final tour, uh, January of 1982, back to New Japan. But this time, he had he already shaved his head. 
Oh, that's know? right. He changed his look. And minus like 50 pounds, you know. And had a it was goatee too. Yeah, and the second round, it was right after second round with like a third third run with WWF. It was like a Taekwondo gimmick, uh, Superstar Billy Graham against Bob Backlund, if you remember. That's a weird. It's it, there were some weird times with him, and he later in yeah, well, because he got he got sick and lost a lot of you know. I mean, he, uh, now that we learn a lot about his blood clots and all these things, probably from decades of steroid use or something, you know, his body really, changed. We don't have evidence for that, but uh, obviously he was gone for a while. He came back with 50 pounds lighter and shaved head and he didn't have tie dye anymore. And uh, it was more of a Taekwondo gimmick or something. And uh, th- there was a second, you know, like a, Incarnation of Superstar Billy Graham. Anyhow, but the, it was that version of Billy Graham that came back to Japan for his final tour with New Japan, February of 1982. It was a loaded tour with, you know, Stan Hansen, the Dusty Rose, the young Bret Hart, the, the Bad News Allen. Uh, you know, he had this, you know, last tour, you know, the final tour with New Japan in 1982. Yeah. But he had he brought the tie dye trunks to Japan though, no oh. no karate pants, hmm. yeah. But he had to, I guess you know people. I guess New Japan wanted to have uh, tie dye and wanted him to have tie dye tights instead of taekwondo pants. Hmm. Yeah. So he had five tours with Japan um, between 1974 and 82. Yeah, five tours, not that many, huh? Not really, no. Short period of time, too, kind of within five years or so, five, six, seven years. Yeah, and then five tours. See, like, whereas Abdur the Butcher, the Tiger Jitsin, the Bruiser Brody, the Stan Hansen, or even Race and Funks and Mill Maskers, they all have two or three tours a year, you know. But uh, the seven-year period, he had short five tour. Whenever Billy Graham came to Japan, he, he never worked the entire tour, like five, six to- weeks. He came in like the final two weeks of the tour here. And first one week of the tour here. And it was like a always, always kind of special appearance. So I guess all in all, he was treated a little bit differently than others. Yeah. Or there's a treatment that the, these the superstars don't stay, you know, that they overstay their welcome or something. I don't know. Right. Yeah. 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 Very special appearance. But the, we were able to witness this tie dye, multicolor fur, and, you know, this colorful superstar Billy Graham in Japan. I wish it was the time where Japanese wrestling fans understood there are different kinds of styles. You know, let him be. You know, I think today's fans understand that much more. Not better, yeah, yeah. Because can you imagine he had to work Inoki style wrestling match? I can't. I mean, just make him look bad, right? It just wouldn't work. And uh, selling Inoki's enzigiri or something. How would you do that? (laughs) You know, I mean, it would be you know twenty minute bear hug match. Basically, Basically, but bear hug the same bear hug in New York City and the bear hug in Tokyo is like a two. I mean, completely different two, two different moves. Yeah, different meaning. 
It's different meaning because at Madison Square Garden, if you squeeze your opponent with with bear hug, it's almost like you, it's like almost finished, climaxing, you know. Mm-hmm. And bear hug in Japan make you look like you just a total rest hall, right? Yeah. So I wish the time was a little bit different, but it was that's how it was really, yeah. And of course, he had this special, you know, superstar treatment, you know, just making one week appearance here and two weeks appearance here and having a cage match here and one title match and uh, one single match against Antonio Inoki. And yeah, and the first trip, he was already champion with IJB, you know, although it was after a phantom title switch, but he was brought in to Japan as IWA world champion and very different and the uh, entrance music, Jesus Christ, superstar, something, you know, that movie music and the bench press and all these things. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Billy Graham was a kind of different kind of star here. Yeah. Yeah. And he seems like the first one to introduce a lot of elements of American pro wrestling, authentic American pro wrestling that were happening at the time and that are still a part of it now. Yeah, it just didn't, he wasn't your collar and elbow tie-up to your side of the headlock into takedown kind of wrestler, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, you like to play with the crowd yeah, more. Yeah, and then also there was language barrier in wrestling then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, different nuance, huh? It's, yeah, especially back the 70s, then. Yes, 70s Japanese wrestling fan didn't, we wasn't really anticipating that this, you know, different nuance to it. To it yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit ahead of its time. Oh, always. Yeah. Yeah. But it made Hulk Hogan a lot easier to blend into Japanese ring. No, you know what I'm saying? That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. And also when Hulk Hogan was so smart that when he came to Japan, he worked like Japanese wrestlers. Remember? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. A lot more, a way, a lot more than he does in America. You know, he really wrestled in Japan. So it was like, I guess, I guess it was Hulk Hogan was much bigger star in Japan than than the Billy Graham was in Japan. Yeah, but it's just different kind of story, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and I think Japan was more ready for Hulk Hogan after Billy Graham. I think. Yeah. The, the, and the tribute was so in 1982. Jesse Ventura was brought in as Jesse the Body Ventura and had a very important single match against Antonio Inoki. Yeah. So he was like an incarnation of superstar Billy Graham kind of guy, you know? Yeah. I mean, he just dressed like him and had a single match. Like a first trip to Japan, and he already had a single match, special single match against Antonio Inoki on primetime TV special. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and also Jesse Venture is much bigger star in America than the the people in Japan know about. Of course, later on, the governor of Minnesota, but before he, you know, Venture became governor of Minnesota, he was a mayor of Brookings, you know, Brookings Center, and also morning radio talk radio host that talked about environment and biology and in the politics and. before he was even movie started, he was a radio disc jockey in, in Minnesota. Real famous one. Yeah. Very influential, right? 
Mm-hmm. But it wasn't if it wasn't for Billy Graham that he didn't have this first break. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, yeah. Because because superstar Billy Graham was, was such a big superstar in AWA territory, early early seventies. When Jesse Ventura came back from Oregon to become a star in in hometown of, of Minnesota, he called you know he built himself from like a uh, from like a Venice Beach, California, or Venice Ventura, Beach. California. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's so how this California taste bodybuilder bodybuilder area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he was just like um, superstar Billy Graham was, you know, a few years back. And uh, same hair, dude. Different. I mean, same kind. Hair, you know, hairdo. I mean, like uh, all the costume, all the colorful costume that uh, Jesse Ventura was just like Billy Graham. And they always wore the boa, the feather boa around the neck, and then the real strange-looking sunglasses. Mm-hmm. Very over the <laughs> yeah. top, very, very glamorous. And of course, of course, Jesse Ventura had tie-dye long tights. Yeah. And he talked similar too in his he had his own way of talking, but it was inspired by Billy Graham for sure. Yeah, yeah. And this accent and uh, he when you see Jesse Venture in person, he doesn't quite talk like that. <laughs> he can talk now normal too. But mm-hmm. on TV, like interview, he just becomes Jesse the Body Ventura and just inspired by Billy Graham and just he had this you know the, the jargon after jargon the cliche after cliche yeah, you know so many one liners yeah it was very interesting it was also it worked just like Billy Graham bear hugs posing you know all these things yeah all the inverted body vice that the that the backbreaker on his shoulder thing mm-hmm yeah, yeah. So it was interesting. Oh, this is not just Hulk Hogan and Jesse Ventura. There are other wrestlers like Steve Strong, that the, Austin Idol a little bit like that. And this all kinds of inspired wrestler look a lot like Billy Graham after that. Yeah. It was very Before, influential. Like, when Precious Paul Ellering was active wrestler, he dressed mm-hmm. just like J- the Superstar Billy Graham down in Tennessee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was like that. Yeah, with tie-dye tights, you know, everything, yeah. So, yeah, so today's fan could probably just go into Peacock and WWE Network, and the probably best match would be Madison Square Garden champion, Superstar Billy Graham against Challenger American Dream Dusty Rose. That's a good one. And the crowd reactions back then, those are Did worth watching. Did you watch that as a kid? Oh, you weren't there. Okay. Uh. Well, I, I, I watched those matches. I would go to the video store and I would rent the videos in the big plastic. They were in the plastic case, you know, the oversized oh, plastic Coliseum case. videos, Coliseum videos or, or WCW, whatever, you know, whatever they had. That's, I saw the ring warriors, uh, new Japan. That's where I first saw new Japan, the Gordon Soli, uh, voiceover. Oh, really? Yeah. The, what, uh, hero Matsuda was trying to do, uh, Sheldon oh, okay, okay, very good. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah, stuff like that. You that that would be the only way I could watch. I, I would go to the video stores and look for the cheap tapes or rental tapes and watch through that. But those older matches, I could only get through tape trading as I got older when I was a teenager. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But well, some uh, yeah. people would just. I have uh, this kind of like a you know, basement bootleg, best of. 
Billy Graham videotapes I have. <laughs> with uh, with yeah. his work in Japan or his work everywhere or America, yeah, America. I see, yeah. Mm-hmm. His stuff is out there, and it's it's easier than ever to watch it in really high definition. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can you know learn a lot from it. You know from his old tapes and even to this day, I think. Yeah, he was and the I real. Think, you know, today's superstar like Seth Rollins have a little bit of a superstar pedigree in them. Not body, but uh, this mannerism and, and the way he walks into the ring and does his thing. You know, yeah. sure, like his DNA. Wrestling DNA, yeah. Wrestling yeah. DNA. Yeah. Well, let's. Uh, I'm I'm happy that we can bring a another angle of his life to to everybody's discussion this week, last week. So I hope people enjoyed. And if they want to get a hold yeah, of you, uh, the Hall of Fame footage in, in the Hulk Hogan speech uh, uh, from this or Triple H speech from, from you know, Hall of Fame or uh, like more recent years. But the, what you, if you want to learn anything about Super Stabilogram, you have to go back to 70s footage. Yeah. 70s is the primetime footage for Billy Graham, both both in mm-hmm. Japan and in, in the States, WWF. Go on and your also peacock. this high the whole culture thing meant a lot real and ongoing at the time. It was very unique at the time. And it was, you know, being the first tie-dyed wrestler, that's that's <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So if we have questions or comments about Billy Graham, how can we reach you online? Um uh, on Twitter at Fumihiko Dayo, F-U-M-I-H-I-K-O-D-A-Y-O, Fumihiko Dayo on Twitter, or just Fumisaito on Facebook. And on Twitter, I'm at Justin M. Nipper, K-N-I-P-P-E-R. That's it for this week. Until next time, Fumi, take it away. So long from Tokyo. Tokyo.